You're listening to Points Talk with the Travel Mom Squad, previously known as the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Follow the links in the show notes to stay up to date with what the Travel Mom Squad has been up to. Want to take a sneak peek behind the curtain? Stay tuned to hear how our credit card strategies have evolved over the years, how often we're opening cards, how we deal with the 524 rule, and some of the cards will never close. Welcome to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. We are three moms who've discovered how to leverage credit card welcome offers to get hundreds of thousands of dollars in travel expenses for nearly free. We've used credit card points and miles to take vacations to places like Hawaii, Paris, Greece, the Maldives, Italy, and so much more. And the best part? We each still have an 800 plus credit score. Imagine being able to book a vacation without having to check your bank account. It's totally possible and we're here to show you how. Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Pam, Alex's mom. And I'm Jess. We are Travel Hacking Moms. We are super excited for today's episode and to give you a peek into our credit card strategies and how they've evolved over the years. So let's get to it. I am going to kick it off. So I have been travel hacking for eight years. I started in 2015 and... I think this is similar for all three of us, but back in the day, the Chase 524 rule did not exist. And so starting with Chase cards was not really a thing, although I did start with Chase cards just by chance. But the biggest thing for me was that I was someone who was really scared of annual fees. And so I see this a lot with newbies that reach out to us and they say, why would I ever pay an annual fee just to have a credit card? And I was exactly the same way. And so I can really relate to those people. So the Chase Freedom was the very first card I ever opened. That one isn't even available anymore to open, but that's the one I first opened. And then I think I opened the Freedom Unlimited, which is another fee-free Chase card. And so I was all about the no annual fee cards. I think the United Explorer with the first year fee waived was one of my first ones because I'm in Houston, which is a United hub. So I have had the United card for a very long time. So my strategy was basically open cards with no annual fees. And I definitely was not opening business cards like that would have scared me so much to open business cards. I think I was doing this for like a year and a half or two years before I ever opened a business card. And now business cards are crucial to my strategy, but we will get to that a little bit later in the episode. But yeah, so like it was basically open the cards with the best sign-up bonuses that also don't have an annual fee. And obviously if I was starting over, my strategy would be very different today, but that is what I had to work with then. I'm imagining that when you got a, got started and you were just getting those like no annual fee cards that you probably weren't getting a lot of travel or like your points. Because if you just open those no annual fee chase cards, you can't transfer them. So you probably weren't, you know, traveling even an ounce of like how you are now, I'm guessing. Oh, it was like my my 2015 self if she knew what I was doing now she would have been like who are you and what have you done with Jess I eventually did get the sapphire preferred I think that was maybe like my fourth card that I ever opened because I did want to be able to transfer um to transfer partners and I needed that one 
So I did eventually get that one, but it was not on my radar for like one of my first few cards. And I also, when I first started out, I was mainly concerned with covering flights. I wasn't as much into Hyatt at that point. And so I really just wanted to be able to cover flights for our family. And now I try to cover flights and hotel. So I need more points for that also. So when you got started, then were you just like, okay, I'm going to open up these no annual fee cards and earn points on them. And then you just kept earning them. And then eventually you like once you got the Sapphire Preferred, is that when you started using those points so you could move them over to your Sapphire Preferred? And then to transfer partners? Yeah. So I transferred a lot to Southwest and United. Mostly United. Um, I transferred a lot to United and was just trying to get, we were visiting, we would visit family in Chicago. And Houston and Chicago are both United hubs. And so we would find pretty good deals on United. So I transferred a lot of my chase points to United when I was first getting started. But like I said, my goal at the very beginning was just like visiting family. It wasn't staying at Park Hyatt. It wasn't going to Australia or Japan. Like I was trying to do the bare minimum to be able to like visit family and not have to pay for our flights. Yeah. 2015 Jess would have a heart attack if she saw what you were doing now compared to like your goals when you started. I think it's funny too, Jess. I think all of us will probably agree when you think about business cards, that was not on my radar. I mean, not at all. I would have thought you had to have be the CEO of a corporation. You had to have this thriving business. There's no way I would have thought that I ever could open up business cards, much less sit in business class seats or go to a lounge. These were all things I thought were completely belonging to those people who carried briefcases and were these big, you know, business owners or worked in big businesses. Little did I think that little old me would someday be doing all those things and have multiple business cards. No, I totally agree. Like I was hesitant to open personal cards, you know, and so business cards were nowhere on my radar at that point. So, so Pam, what about you? Well, you know, looking back, I, I kind of laughed because I actually was a pseudo travel hacker for years and didn't know it. So we lived in Northern California. There was only one airline that flew out of our little airport, and that was United. And so somehow I was smart enough to open up a United card. Like Jess, it's still the card that is my oldest in my wallet. And so every few years, I would get a United flight. And I would be so excited when I finally had gotten enough miles to get that United flight. And in those days, and this was, you know, quite a while ago, I have, have a daughter that lives in London. So when I would fly there, and it would be like 10,000 miles, I would get 10,000 points. Well, they don't quite reward you as well as they used to. but so. Every, you know, few trips to see her, I would get a free trip. And that was just, that blew my mind. That was so exciting that I could actually do that. But I had no idea about real travel hacking until Alex had some friends that were doing it. And she talked to me about it. I love to travel. And so when she told me about travel hacking, I was 100% all in. And I had no strategy. My strategy was give me all the cards and give me all of them as fast as I can get them. So there was nothing that I strategized. 
And that is still your strategy to this day, isn't it? It, it pretty much is. I still do that. I don't really care as much about the annual fees as long as I can make them work. I do strategize so that I make good use of the benefits. So it pretty much pays my annual fees. But I am constantly looking for a new card to open as soon as I met minimum spend. And this strategy of yours of having no strategy has worked incredibly well for you. I would say you have always been the one that has the most points. I would say out of all three of us, at least for me, Jess might be gaining on you now. She's been opening a lot of cards lately, but you always have an insane amount of points and you're using a lot. So I think this strategy of no strategy has actually worked really well for you. I wouldn't say it's like the best thing for everybody, but for your situation, you've crushed it with your no strategy strategy. Exactly. Being um, retired and being able to have a lot of flexibility in travel, you know, this was the perfect strategy for me. I can always look at my um, points miles balance and figure out how I can use them to get somewhere. And I typically have never gone under 3 million points, closer to 4 or 5 million. So like right now, I think I'm about 3.5 million and I, you know, I, I, I am, I'm OCD. This isn't the, the plan for everyone. Um, my family can attest that I'm OCD about everything. One of the, what I do like, Jess, is you talking about the good old days when the five and 24 wasn't so strict. So there was a time when you could get the S, there was the SPG, the Marriott. I had tons and tons of Bonvoy points. And I used to be a huge Team Marriott person. And, you know, just things change in points and miles. And it's just, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm totally Team Hyatt. And this wasn't even because of Jess, although I must say she did encourage that. And I got on that bandwagon. But my strategy has always been to grab the points and then plan. And that's still my strategy except for one strategy that I have that has changed and that is I want all the Chase Ultimate rewards for Hyatt Stays. That is always my primary strategy. I'm always trying to figure out how to do that because I have a lot of points for airline flights and I just like to grab the points and then plan. And that's completely different than the way some people do. I think it's interesting too because your strategy was very different than mine. And Jess's strategy was different than mine and yours. And it just goes to show, like, you can do this in so many ways, whatever works for you. Exactly. I think one thing we always say is you be you. You don't have to be us. You don't have to be some other travel hacker out there. Do what works for you. All right, Alex, tell us about how your strategy when you got started. Yeah. So when I got started, I had a very specific goal that I wanted to go to Hawaii. Um, My parents had a timeshare in Hawaii growing up, and so I'd go every few years. But once I got married and had kids, like that was just out of the question for us to be able to afford to do that. So I was like dying and itching to go back to Hawaii. So I figured out, okay, what are the cards that are going to get me this specific trip? I opened them one at a time. My husband and I were referring each other to the cards. I will say our strategy was different than both of you because our first card we got was actually a Chase Inc. business preferred card, which is kind of crazy, like thinking about it, because I'm a very like I am a rule follower. 
I like go by the book with things. I'm not like, what's the word? I'm not very like risky. I'm very, yeah, I'm, I'm not really risky. And so when I learned about travel hacking, I can't even tell you how many hours I spent teaching myself and reading all that there was to know about it. And by the end of it, I understood, okay, I could actually get a business card. And if we're going to do this, let's see what happens. Like, we'll try for this card that maybe isn't the most obvious choice for us. And we'll see how it goes. And it worked out. My husband applied first and he was approved for it. So you came out of the gates swinging is what you're telling us. Like, I not I don't I don't know if I knew that like maybe you have told me that and I just forgot but that surprises me given my little Enneagram 9 Alex that you opened an ink preferred as your very first card well let me tell you the Enneagram 9 in me did come out because it was actually my husband who opened it and they had like an in-branch offer and you guys his business was Facebook marketplace sales and I had him go into the branch to apply because he could get more points. And he got it because he was not an Enneagram 9. He was comfortable doing that. But like I, I would have never gone into the branch and done that ever, ever, ever. So and even still, even still, I wouldn't do that. Like I don't have it's the whole idea of like I have to drive there and like I'll just wait till the offer's online and then do it online because I'm not one who likes to go to the branch. It's I am the same way. I'm like, I have to talk to someone when I could just like do it from my pajamas at home and it takes two minutes to apply online. Like, no thanks. I will just do it from home. Exactly. And this was like a very targeted offer. It wasn't even like public. It wasn't like, I don't even know where we found out about the offer, but it was not like widely widely broadcasted so I had him go do that he got the card anyways long story short not actually that short this is taking me a long time to get there mm. but we got our trip to Grand Hyatt Kauai with by opening very specific cards to get us that trip and after that trip we were I mean I was already sold because I'd really invested a lot of time in learning how to do this but it was like, okay, this really worked. It was amazing. We're going to continue with this. And at that point, I didn't have like specific trips in mind. And so I was still getting cards for, okay, we might want to do this. But I was also going after, after the cards that had the best offer at the time. So that worked out really well because I was able to build a stockpile of points. And then when we wanted to go on a trip, I could say, okay, here's what are the points that I have? these this is what I have to work with how can I use these points and I would plan a trip based off the points I already had so I started off by being very specific planning the trip getting the cards for that and it's now evolved and pretty soon after that first trip has evolved into me just getting the cards that have the best offer so I can get more points because a lot of these cards they'll have offers that maybe it'll be for a limited time will be higher and so that's a really great time to sign up for these cards so you can get more points so that's worked out really well for us now and I mean and like my mom that's what she was doing from the get-go <laughs> was just getting all of those we, some people call it shiny card syndrome where you have you're opening up cards that have high welcome offers and that's been that's kind of been your whole thing the whole time right mom oh absolutely I'm all about shiny card syndrome I am 
after a card that has a higher than usual offer. And I like usually to keep a 5 and 24 spot open for that. doesn't always happen. We'll talk more about that later. But yeah, I am all about getting that new card in the mail. And it's worked for me. And I think shiny card syndrome can sometimes have a negative connotation. But I love shiny card syndrome. And like I, as long as it's flexible points, I think we all agree that like with co-branded cards, airline and hotel specific cards, we still are probably going to wait until we have a use for those points or miles or may not even open the card depending on, you know, how useful those specific points or miles could be for our future travel plans. But when it comes to cards with flexible points, we are like, give us all the shiny card syndrome in the world because we know that we have so many uses for those points given their flexibility. Well, I think there's kind of a misconception that some people think that you put all your spending on that first card that you get, the first card or two, and that's how you keep getting points. That's just not going to work in the long run. Really is those sign-up offers are the quickest, the fastest, the easiest way to accumulate a lot of points and miles. So for me, that's what I choose to do. I don't do a lot of shopping in a portal. I don't do surveys or a lot of other things where you can earn points and miles because that's a slow burn. And I'm after the quickest, the fastest, the easiest way to get my points and miles. I think too, the other thing is if you're opening up a flexible points card, you can use them in so many ways, whether, I mean, the worst case scenarios for some of these, you can cash them out. So I don't think anyone would say, darn, I really wish I never would have opened up that card that got me $800 cash back even. And so, I mean, and that's worst case scenario. Because these flexible points have so many ways to use them, we're always going to find some way to use these points for one thing or another. And so I don't think there's ever going to be a regret that, man, I really wish I didn't had to open up that venture card. Now what am I going to do? You know, like there's so many ways to use these points. And even with like, let's say you did open up a hotel card that maybe it had a really high bonus and you are thinking, oh, I don't really have a use for this. What am I going to do? You'll find one. You'll find some amazing hotel to stay at where you'll be like, okay, well, that worked out. So I don't think there's a lot of like the only part time where I think you could really like regret opening a card is if you it took you over 524 and it wasn't worth going over 524 and then you're stuck missing out on other really great offers. That's a really good point, Alex. I, I've never had any real regrets about opening up any cards. Even like, I think I opened up an Avianca card one time because <laughs> when I was after all the cards. This was early. And I thought, what the heck am I going to do with that? Well, now I transfer your Amex membership rewards yes, into Avianca all the time. And I found that it works out really well. So yes, free is free. It's all good. I remember when you opened the Avianca card and I was like, and this was pretty early on. Right. I would say it was like in the first, maybe first two years of travel hacking. I was like, there are so many cards out there. Why is she opening up an Avianca card? I was so confused. And you're like, well, it had a really great bonus. And so I opened it and it worked out for you. I'm sure you use those points probably for a business class flight to London. If I'm, if I know you, that's probably what you did. Yeah. So it sounds like Pam has always been team shiny card syndrome. And Alex and I have like slowly over the years met her there. Yes, exactly. Yep. And Pam still is. Now I know a lot of you are wondering 
how often should I be opening credit cards? And I mean, I know for us, we get that question very, very frequently in our DM. So let's talk about that a little bit. Jess, do you want to go first? Yeah. So when I first started, I was very rule follower by the book, one card every 90 days. Same for my husband. And we would alternate. So let's say I would open one January 1st and then he would open his, you know, maybe mid-February. And then I would move on to my next one three months later, April 1st. And so we kind of had a pattern like that. So if we were opening one every three months, that would be about four each year for both of us. So eight total. Now... I don't really stick to that 90-day guideline as closely anymore. I'm a little bit more risky when it comes to what I'm willing to do to earn all my points. And so, like we said, the 90 days is just a guideline. We do recommend at least 30 days between cards most of the time. Like, that's just a safe time to wait between your cards. But I'm probably closer to six cards a year now, and I would say the same for my husband. So we've gone from like averaging around eight total every year to around 12 total a year. And I've also just become more creative with meeting minimum spends. That was always an issue when I first started out is like, how are we going to meet the minimum spend? We need to space out our applications so that we can ensure that we can hit these minimum spends. And our minimum spends weren't even that high then because, like I said, we were opening like these no annual fee cards that have not very high minimum spend. But I've just gotten better at getting creative with hitting those, which has allowed us to open more cards throughout the year. Yeah, I would agree. Ours was very similar. It's like I would open a card or then my husband opened a card and we refer each other and we would do always just we would even just do one credit card at a time. Sometimes our two credit cards like mine and his might overlap. But for me, it felt a little overwhelming to be like, okay, I have to, I have this credit card I'm working on. And when's my minimum spend deadline? I didn't want to like, I wanted to make sure I hit it so I didn't like lose out on those bonus points. And the idea of having two cards that I was working on at once made me a little nervous. And so I would like try to hit that first minimum spend really quickly so I could just like, it was just like the mental labor, I guess, of knowing that I had these cards like in the back of my mind. I need to get things done with so that we can get our points. And so we would pretty much almost always just have one credit card between the two of us that we were working on at one time. And we would sometimes get them finished sooner than the three months. And then at that point, then my husband would open a card. And that worked out really well for us, but we weren't getting, you know, like a ton of cards every year. And then now, like, just like you, Jess, I am not sticking to the 90-day rule, I would say. So maybe it's 90 days occasionally, but it's not out of me being aware that it's 90 days. It's not like, oh, I'm looking at a calendar and it's 90 days. Now I can go apply. I, it's not at all like that. It's like, OK, like, first of all, we all use the Travel Freely app, which is huge in helping you know when you last applied for your last card. So we'll put a link in the show notes for, show notes for that app. If you don't have it, it's a lifesaver with all of this. But now it's like, oh, I have a big expense coming up. Let me see when my last card was. Oh, it was 30 days ago. Okay, I'm going to open up another card. Occasionally, I'll even do maybe within 30 days if it's maybe from a di two different banks or Chase in particular. Occasionally, like they will let you, oh, they, they will approve you for two cards within 30 days. I don't recommend it 
I've done it, but I wouldn't make a habit. I, I would as much as possible just to err on the side of caution. Like Jess said, always wait 30 days between your cards if you can. But sometimes if there's a really great offer and it's about to end and you don't want to miss out on that, I sometimes will we'll consider it worth the risk to just apply and see what happens. Hey, Alex, will you um, address something that some of our readers, I know they always say, some people have said, yes, well, I added my husband as an authorized user so that we would each have a card. When you and your husband, when you're trying to meet minimum spend on a card, how do you and your husband both use the card? Honestly, we most of the time we don't. <laughs> I just will have it because I'm the one making most of the purchases. And then if he's like, oh, I'm going to stop by Costco on my way home from work today, I will hand him the card. Or, you know, if he if he has a big expense, he knows, like, I have an expense I have to make. Which card do you want me to use? And I'll hand him the one I'm working on the minimum spend with. But some things you can do if you want to have cards for both people is you can add it to, like, your digital wallet on your phone. Jess, you've talked about if saying that you lost your card, they'll send you another one? No, you have to say that you damaged. Because if you say you lost it, then they will change the number like they'll send you a whole new car with a whole new number if you say you damaged it then they will send you a new card with the same number and so that way you can have two physical cards that have the same number and then both people can use them but we typically do what you said about the digital wallet my husband is all about paying with his apple watch so I will usually put the card on his digital wallet and let him pay with his Apple Watch, and then I will keep the physical card. Yeah, so that 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 works really well. So, Mom, how have you done opening up cards? Like, how long do you wait? What's your time frame? My guess is that you don't really do much waiting. Well, this is going to shock you, but my saying on this is go big or go home. So, <laughs> basically, that's how I started. That's how I still am. I have a really hard time putting um, an expense on a credit card that I'm not meeting minimum spend on. So just last week, I was knew that I was getting ready to pay our um, income taxes, that the bill I needed to pay this week. So in one day, I opened up for me the um, American Express Platinum Business Card. And for my husband, I opened up the American Express Gold Business Card. And so I've already met the minimum spend as of yesterday on both of them because I paid our income taxes. And it's driving me nuts because I don't have a card I meet need to meet minimum spend on now. And I'm like, today I've got to apply for another card. It's driving me nuts. Hold on. And that has been 24 hours? 24 hours. I, I just have a real, I, I really see the value of meeting, getting a big sign-up bonus and it's really hard for me just to put everyday spend on a card. And so I do have to apply for something today. One of the things I wanted to say is that um, for many people who want a business card, that Amex is incredible. Um, I, they do have higher annual fees. You'll have to read about how I am able to make use of the benefits on those annual fees. But for most cards from American Express, you get a once-in-a-lifetime offer. But they are crazy. Once you apply for American Express Platinum Business Card or the Gold Business Card, they keep offering it to you. And I keep thinking, when is this gravy train going to end? I have had six American Express 
platinum business cards. I hope I don't get in trouble by putting this on the air. My husband has had three, and we've each had two business cards. That's we earned millions of points from American Express um, this way, and I've been able to fly in business class in international flights a lot with it. So it's worked out really well for me. So basically, that's my strategy. You met a minimum spend, get another card. One thing I want to add too is even though we're not sticking to like this hard 90-day rule all the time, or probably, I don't know if we really ever are, um, we all have really great credit scores. So I know, I, I think we're all over 800. And our, and our spouses. And our spouses. So, I mean, I definitely think when you're just starting out, like we said, when we started out, we did wait 90 days or very, very close to it. But not necessarily even so much to wait 90 days, but so we could know we could hit minimum spends. So I think do what you're comfortable with. If you're stressed out about your credit score, you can wait a little longer and see kind of how things go. Like just keep monitoring your credit score and how it all works out. But in our situations, we have found that opening credit cards often hasn't hurt our credit scores at all. No, mine's been increased. I think I started, when I started this game, I was under um, 800. I think it was like 790. And now I hover around 830. So it's it's done nothing but help mine. Yeah. And mine is like 815, which you open up more cards than I do and you have the higher credit score than me. Better listen to your mama. All right, so let's talk about how we deal with the Chase 524 rule. And do you go over? Do you stay under? What is your strategy when it comes to that? Alex, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, so I think all of us probably have pretty similar strategies. When I first started, um, I was concerned about the rule and I wanted, or once the rule became the rule, I was concerned with it and wanted to make sure I could get all the chase cards that I wanted. So what I did when I began is I got the most popular chase cards that I wanted first. And it was actually quite a while before I branched out to other banks. I was very loyal to Chase and I still am. I have my most of my cards are with Chase, but I didn't really branch out. And then once I started to, I mean, I did go over 524. My husband has gone over 524. Right now we're both under. And so what I would do is if one of us went over, I would try to keep the other person under so that that person could sign up for any good Chase offers. So and as my strategies developed, I've really made business cards a really, really crucial part of my strategy because business cards don't count towards your 524 count. And so that's made it so we can continue to open up a lot of cards without, you know, because otherwise you're going to have to take a pause. You're going to have to pause on opening cards to get back under. By opening up business cards, we don't have to pause. We can just keep getting those sign-up bonuses. And once the, and then those personal cards we've opened will gradually start to come off. And there are people who will DM us and say like, well, can't I just go over 524 and just not open chase cards? And I'm like, you can, but I don't, Like to me, I just can't imagine a world where that is my reality because chase cards are so valuable to me. And like if I could not get ultimate rewards to transfer to Hyatt, I don't know what I would do for my hotel. (laughs) I sound so dramatic right now. But yeah, I mean, and like Amex 
technically is once per lifetime. We know that that means like seven years, but I just don't see, I don't know what cards they're opening if they're over 524 and never plan to go back under 524. Yeah, especially if they're wanting to stay at hotels. Like, you can make it work for flights, I think, for a while. You know, because you can get a lot of points from Amex. You know, you could go city, you can do Capital One, all of that. But I can't imagine what you're going to do for your hotel stays without Hyatt. I'm with you on that. And, and I agree with you because I'd never once used my Amex points for hotel stays. So I use them primarily for international um, flights. So I agree. So last year, my husband and I, Lee, we were both over for a whole year. We were over five and 24. And so I had to take a pause on opening up the uh, Chase personal cards and the Chase business cards. But that meant for a solid year, I was opening up non-Chase business cards. And we did that for a solid year. And luckily with those Amex business cards that they kept offering me, it was really easy to do. And they, we opened up a couple other uh, non-business, non-Chase business cards. So we were able to get back under 5 and 24. Right now, we're both at 4 and 24. And I'm still just opening up business cards. I was able to take advantage of the higher increases on the Chase business cards once I got under 4 and 24. But I plan to kind of not open up any Chase personal cards until we both get under 3 and 24 because I'm like Jess. There's, it was hard. I didn't like being in that position for a year where I couldn't open up any Chase um, personal cards. And even though I've been in this for a long time, have a lot of points, there are still Chase personal cards I'd like to get. And so my plan is we each have a few more months to we're under three and 24, and then I'll, you know, hit us up for a personal card again. One thing that I've heard of people doing, I haven't done this, but if they go over and they're not going to be under for a while, they'll just go and open personal cards like in a, a bunch of them, kind of in a short period of time. And then when they get under to 524, it'll kind of happen quickly at once because they have like this block of them that they've done. So they can get, if you're over, it's like, okay, if I'm over and I'm not going to be under again for like 20 months, what's another four months of waiting? I'm going to open up a couple personal cards, get some more points, and then maybe they would take a pause to then eventually get back under it. Oh, that makes sense. So, Jess, how do you do? Do you do things any differently than Alex and I? No. I I would say we actually had a we had a time recently where we were both either at or I think he was 524 and I was 624. And it was for a while, like six, six, seven months, and it was painful. And so um we try to have at least one of us under 524. So that, like you said, if any like good deals come out if any if chase were to release a new card you know one of us would be able to get it and like alex said business cards are crucial to our strategy so that we can sprinkle those in to help us stay under 524 i'm actually about to go i'm at 424 i'm opening a chase personal card this week which is going to take me to 524 but i know that i'm going to be back under in two months and so it's like I'm willing to take that space up knowing that very soon I'm going to be back under. If it were like another year before I was back under, 
then I probably would not open the Chase personal card that I'm about to open. But which one are you opening? The IHG. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm going to go for that one because it has a best ever points offer currently. Um, So I want to get that before it goes away. And then I'll take a couple months off and be back at it in the summer. Quickly, one other thing I want to say is a lot of times people are like concerned, well, should I get this card? Is it worth taking a 524 slot? For example, like the Venture cards are some of our favorite cards. City Premier is a great card. The Amex Gold Personal card, really great cards. And so it is okay. I just want to reiterate to people like it is okay to open up cards that are personal cards that aren't Chase cards. If you're not, then you're going to miss out on some really good offers. And so it's definitely okay to get other cards if they fit in with your strategy or if you're like Pam and you don't have a strategy and it's just a really good offer and you want to take advantage of it, then that works too. Exactly. So now we're going to talk about some of the cards that we'll always keep. And I know that the card that everybody knows the card that I'll always keep. I mean, obviously, I'm always going to keep a Chase Sapphire Preferred. That goes without saying. But the other card that I'll always keep is my American Express Platinum card, my personal card. It has a high annual fee of $695. That scares a lot of people out. I am a huge airport lounge geek. We all know that. And this gives me the very best in airport lounges. I can also uh, make use of some of the benefits. So I actually get more benefits than what I pay. I mean, you and you do have to take advantage of those benefits or it doesn't work. So I get $200 in um, Uber rides or eats a year. I always go for lunch once a month and use that. So that brings me down to $4.95. There's a, a $50 every six months uh, Saks Fifth Avenue credit. I always buy an ice cream. That brings me down another 100 There's a Amex Fine Hotel and Resorts credit. Am I saying right? That's a $200 credit. I always use that. I use it at a Four Seasons in um, Sydney, Australia this year. And that I use that. I use um, uh, audio streaming. I get Audible. So I get uh, $20 a month in that. I ha- It ha- comes with a clear credit. I know there's a couple things I'm forgetting, but all in all, it's not like they're writing me a check, but I do take advantage of all of my benefits. And so for us, it works because I am the queen of airport lounge and I'm not giving it up. I feel like we need to do a solo episode of just Pam talking about the Amex Platinum and her favorite airport lounges. Oh, I've got them. (laughs) Okay, Jess, what what would you, what are you going to always have? I mean, it's not going to come as a shock to anyone. Like you said, we're always going to have the Chase Sapphire Preferred. So that is my pick because I need the Chase Sapphire Preferred in order to transfer my Chase points out to transfer partners like Hyatt. I know you're shocked that I said Hyatt, but yes, that is where most of my points go. So you have to have a Sapphire Preferred, Ink Preferred, or Sapphire Reserve. And I go with the Preferred because it has the $95 annual fee and the $50 hotel credit, which effectively brings the annual fee down to $45. So that is one that my husband and I will always have because it is worth $45 a year to have the ability to transfer those points 
out to transfer partners. All right, Alex, what about you? Okay, so I I purposely did not choose Chase Sapphire Preferred because I knew, like, Jess needs that card to survive. <laughs> as we all do, but, like, as Jess already explained, her life without Hyatt would be very bleak. So I am going to go with Venture X. Um, this is a premium card. It has a $300, $395 annual fee, but $300 travel credit you can use in the Capital One portal. 10,000 points each anniversary or each year on your account anniversary. So that right there is covering your annual fee. Um, in addition, it has really great airport lounge access and really great airport lounge access for families because you can add authorized users at no cost and your authorized users can bring two guests into the airport lounge as well. So I also love the card because it's very simple and straightforward to use. You get 2% back on all of your purchases. I it's it's a card that I keep in my wallet all the time. So if I'm it's actually the card I usually use at Costco because none of my other cards get me as much back at Costco. And it's also one that I often will take with me on trips when I'm going out of the country because two percent back on everything, no foreign transaction fees. It's just really nice enough to think. I will also bring like I love my Chase Sapphire preferred, but I'm only gonna get like it only has the cat certain categories where I'm going to earn extra points. So if I'm taking my Venture X with me, doesn't matter where I'm using it, I'm going to get 2X. And so it's just a very good like don't have to think card. No, I totally agree with you. And when I travel domestically and internationally, I usually bring my Sapphire Preferred, my Venture X, and then your Hyatt card. And then my Hyatt because that's the card I use when I stay at a Hyatt. But like if I could only bring three cards on a trip, it would be those three. Yeah, I would say the same. Or if I'm meeting minimum spend, I'll bring that card. Assuming it doesn't have foreign transaction fees and I'm out of the country. And I'd bring the same cards plus my American Express Platinum to get into the Centurion lounges. And that surprises no one. I want to say one other card really quickly. Um that is a surprise maybe to you guys because I am not, I live in Salt Lake, which is a Delta hub, but another card I will always have one of, it doesn't matter which one, I will always have some sort of United card. So I have the United Gateway card, which is their no annual fee card. The reason being, if you hold a United card, you get special or you get more award space availability as a card member. And so even just holding the no annual fee card, I have that. So I... Yeah, I'm not a hub, but I fly United often enough. Like, it's a really great international option. I just feel like United's easy to use. And, like, you know, if I'm going to visit Jess or visit my mom, they're in United Hub, so I can fly United from Salt Lake to go visit them. And so I've had a lot of success with United, and so that is a card I'll always keep. I know you guys would say the same since, you know, you want to have that extra award availability. And I've noticed, too, that not only is it additional award availability, Sometimes it's even fewer miles required because I will see like they have a little strike through, you know, when it says like this is how much you owe for being a cardholder. And so I am the same way. Like I'll always have a United card for the increased availability and for the for the lower points cost. Well, everyone, we hope that it's been helpful for you to get a sneak peek into our credit card strategies and how they've evolved over the years, or in my case, how they've not evolved. If you're interested in any of the cards that we've talked about, 
check out our best cards page that we've linked in the show notes. And remember, travel hacking is a marathon, not a sprint. So go at your own pace and you do you. Thanks so much for listening to the Travel Hacking Mom Show. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button from wherever you're listening so you never miss an episode. Want to start jet setting even faster? Follow the links in the show notes to learn about everything we discussed in today's episode. And to stay connected and follow along, follow us on Instagram at Travel Hacking Mom. We can't wait to see where in the world points and miles take you.